All right. Ready? Ready. I'm ready. Hello and welcome to Somebody's Gotta Be Wrong. The podcast where we try to figure out who's wrong and about what. This week, we have Emmett Stackelberg, Gideon Nachman, and myself, Ben Silva. Say hi, boys. Hello, hello. Hello. Uh, So this week, the thing that we are wrong about is Captain America Civil War. We all saw Captain America Civil War. We all have an opinion about it. And one of us, or all of us, or two of us are wrong. So, Emmett? Yes. How are you wrong? I'm definitely not wrong. There we uh, go. Okay. Well, I'm 100% right and um and I am right that the Marvel universe is an abomination. At this point I would I would go so far as to say as to say it's an abomination on our culture and that really the core problem with this film in my mind is that uh all of these people who uh make blockbusters have gotten far too good at making blockbusters. All right, so Emmett Sackelberg says that the Marvel Universe is an abomination, and that's because people are too good at making blockbusters. Gideon Nachman, what Yeah, you I had a bit of a different complaint. Uh, my complaint was more to do with the titles of the cities. Uh, if anyone else remembers that, any time they went to a different city, uh, the title of it would sort of flash across the screen. Um, I really did not like that. Uh, but what kind of bug? I'm a native New Yorker, and, uh, you know... Lagos was Lagos, Cleveland was Cleveland, Berlin was Berlin. But when it came to New York, it just said Queens. Uh, and, you know, as anyone knows, Queens is a borough, not a city in itself. Uh, so I thought that was a little bit frustrating, uh, personally. And then I didn't realize until near the end that Captain America was 100 years old. Um, and that was also frustrating. So those are my two main problems with it. Um, I actually like the blockbuster, being good at blockbuster aspects. I thought that was very smart and well done. Okay, so Gideon Nachman says, well done, Cities misnamed geographical labeling inconsistency, I think, is at the heart of your thesis. Did you also so did you also not like the was the typography part of your problem? Yeah, that was very much like an ad for like Bacardi Limon or something. I feel like not befitting at all of a multi million dollar budget movie. It was a very cheap font, Uh I thought, like Squarespace almost. You know, it was very Squarespacey. I will give you. Yeah. Um. All right. Very in the moment. Uh, and and my own uh, offering to the pile of wrong in front of us uh, is that the best way to read this movie, or the more accurate way to read this movie, is reading the superheroes, each superhero as a separate corporation. And this movie about this kind of economic conflict we're going through right now, where the superheroes clearly are the 1%, and everybody else, or the, these enhanced individuals, are the 1%, the 0.5%, whatever. Everybody else is the 99% or the 90%, whatever you want to use. And they essentially, in this post um, Fukuyama like end of civilization world, uh, we are just struggling against ourselves in an effort to do what's best for everybody, and that this kind of like abstract world-ending death is always kind of an economic thing so that all this violence is actually like economic violence economic violence can you elaborate just exactly what you yeah, mean I by economic you violence? The most wrong so, <laughs> all right. so we got an early leader in who's the most wrong and i will say that at least i was ambitiously wrong as opposed to just pointing out that there is typography in this movie how are you gonna be wrong about that 
inaccurate typography or inconsistent typography. Um, yeah, well, you no, you're right. Congratulations, you're right that Queens is a borough. Here's what I'm saying, is that, okay, our first impulse probably is that this movie is, a, the, it, like, that the proper allegory for this movie, right, is that it's drone warfare. It's this policy we have, or it's it's American military action? Like, is that what we think? Like, what do we think this movie thinks it's doing? Or what do we think uh, is the most, the easiest immediate reading of this movie? What What is this movie doing? No, that's my, so here's my argument, actually, be, okay. beyond the fact that it's an, a, that Marvel Universe is a population and that the abomination is a product of us being too good at making these movies, is that these movies are designed to not have anything to say the less they well, can see, say i don't know if the that's better. true but, i was looking for a critique of american imperialism that never came oh absolutely but, I mean, the, not the fall the, of an the, empire that was just all like it was you know it was a fancy bit of wordplay for like this really sad german uh character actor who occasionally gets all these weird blockbuster parts uh brule danny brule i like him I, I, was he was he who was he was he iron man no, no, Brule Brule was uh, he was the villain character, you know, the guy who was setting up everything, the mysterious villain. I have theories about mysterious Wait, villains uh, too. Like we'll Slovakian guy whose dad died. I thought yeah. that was such yeah. a yeah. Except yeah. he's not Slovakian because oh, yeah. it's a fake country. What's yeah. the country called? I, I was uh, oh. Skovodia, Sovokia, Sovokia, Here's another thing. Inconsistent. Some countries are real. Some countries were fake. That also bothered me. As long as we're yeah, because yeah, the African only, country, like, the Black the Panther countries, countries, countries were because they were the home of like magical warriors being passed from generation to generation. Like it's tough to say like, oh yeah, Rwanda's the place where their leaders are uh, turn into Black Panthers to defend their people. Like it's just kind of racist if you don't use a fake country, right? Maybe yeah. that means it's always racist though. Black Panther? Well, it can't be racist to have black superheroes and not have black superheroes. Well, should we talk <laughs> about true. co-opting? That's not true. There are lots of racist black superheroes. Wait, 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 wait. First off, you guys are trying to distract me from the fact that you're wildly wrong. So uh-huh. there is an obvious attempt to say something in this movie, I would say. I mean, we literally have Captain America in this movie. Oh, by the way, like spoiler alerts for everything in this. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine why you'd be attached to the oh plot of one of these movies. Because, well, actually, I think it's uh, because that's the only thing to attach yourself to is the plot of the yeah, movie leading of, to the but plot the of the next movie. Say, okay. So, uh, spoiler alert for everything we ever talk about on this podcast. We're going to talk about the thing as a whole. So, uh, I don't see think it we've before. spoiled anything so far. Besides <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I Captain America is 100 years anything. old. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, okay, here's what I'm saying. This movie literally ends with Captain America throwing his shield down on the ground, and it ends with the shield scraped up because Robert Downey Jr. says, you don't deserve that shield. My father, who was, like, this industrialist, we, like, have the dis- the distillation of capital in Downey Jr. says, we gave you... <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, his dad, yes. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I <laughs> thought you were still doing the I don't know who Robert Downey Jr. is bit. Um, so he says, you don't deserve that shield. And then he throws the shield down on the ground. And we had the music dramatically, we had the movie dramatically black out or, or like earth out on the screen of the American flag just violently scraped and, and thrown away. Like they, they're dealing with, with real stuff in here in some way. Like at the very least, they're trying to deal with the fact that 
uh, in superhero movies generally, we have a, a devaluation of human life, right? That like destroying a city isn't just destroying a city, it's destroying a lot of human lives. So do you, or do you think that's just a substitute for any actual political substance or you don't think that's beginning to hint at something? I think exactly. I think it is totally a substitute. That is exactly what I think. Uh, I think uh, this idea that, um, that superheroes cost a lot of human lives that uh, is is indeed a tiny bit of substance at the core of this film that I believe was fully forced upon this universe from our external real universe because of the sheer amount of commentary about how disgusting it is in both these DC yeah. comics films and in the Marvel films that um, you know cities keep getting destroyed and, and presumably millions upon millions of people um, either have their homes destroyed uh, or die. Um, and I... I, I, I can't imagine i don't know this felt so zeitgeisty it just felt like uh them seeing that they had to address it and then them going so overboard in addressing it god the the the, the way elizabeth olsen just gets on her knees and starts weeping because like she sent that suicide that bomber up into the air or whatever you know uh no one would have done that four years ago in any of these films you, so, yeah, you weep? i'm gonna say you're wrong there i'm gonna buzz nice. it nice nice uh, and say that the theme of human cost of superhero actions is actually as old as time itself. I can <laughs> about eight years ago uh, to a movie called The Incredibles, which I felt dealt with this theme very well. Oh, no, uh, I was going to yeah. bring up The Incredibles because I think uh, The Incredibles is the one exception to all of this in a lot of interesting ways. But it's The Incredibles. Okay. It's a different film. But anyway, go on. No, I want to hear this. Uh, who Watches the Watchmen? Um, I believe that had a lot of yeah. the human cost uh, so i don't think this is very much i think this is a classic case of like superhero tropes well okay so that's interesting right because watchmen and i haven't read watchmen nor seen the movie watchmen but i did I sit done, in a class so. with somebody who wrote a thesis about watchmen so oh my god wait, your perspective is so interesting like adjacent to so much knowledge um what were you gonna say knockman i will just say for all our viewers or listeners who have not seen Watchmen, all you need to know is the Vision character is the exact same as Doctor Manhattan. As the big blue it all guy, goes right? yeah. there exactly. Well, okay, so it, it, we have Watchmen being written basically about the Cold War, right? Or this idea yeah. that like we uh, reflect these Cold War tensions, and this idea that like oh, we if we have superpower, like does it really make our world safer to have superpowers? Does it really make and our world make safer? It safer for those superpowers to be invested in one percent of world? Uh, yeah, you know. exactly. exactly. Yeah. So a concentration of power is that safer or less safe? Um, and but okay, so that's the interesting thing about superheroes is that a lot of superhero stuff comes out of like world war, world war ii and then cold war eras right where we so we have these weird times where there is an absolute evil and an absolute good or at least in the in the popular culture so during world war ii superheroes were just straight up like oh we punch hitler in the face right absolute good absolute evil and that's works for superheroes then during the cold war they start to get more complex where yes, you have a lot of like commie, like communist symbology and all this sort of stuff um, and a ramping up of technology, but also like the characters start to get darker and interweave. And you have basically as the culture goes towards, because remember also like in world war two, yeah, we had that evil, but uh, 
and I'm, I'm stepping all over history in a way that Zackelberg, I'm sure, will tell me I'm wrong about. But, you know, <laughs> the country didn't want to go to war at that point, right? It felt like us. So the idea that Superman was a distillation of America and he wanted to go punch Hitler in the face, like, that in a way is dragging the country in a certain direction. I, like, I agree that was post-Pearl Harbor probably, but still, whatever. Cold War, we all want to think, or the cultural elite wants us to think there is an absolute good and absolute evil, and yet the superheroes and things like Watchmen and stuff like this, start to get a little darker, a weirder subversion, and there's splits amongst the superheroes about what to do. Like, I, I think the original Civil War comics probably came out more in that sort of era. And then suddenly we have the end of the Cold War and this idea of the end of civilization where there is no longer a clear diametric ideology to either capitalism or democracy. Like, both those things seem to have, quote-unquote, triumphed. This was, of course, without seeing, you know, the rise of radical Islam, but still, then, then the idea was, okay, well, we will just kind of fight amongst ourselves. That, like, if capitalism and democracy is everywhere, then we start to resort to, like, maybe tr kind of a tribalism almost, like identity politics. Like, we don't have an identity because it's not played against anything. So, so if I could paraphrase you, you're asking wherever Gulf War superheroes, wherever Iraq War superheroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same where... <laughs> Where's my 9-11 superhero? Um, oh, they're everywhere, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, well, and so this is what I'm saying about this, is that we have a situation where it's tough to say what the other ideology is in superhero movies, right? Like, all these Marvel... And maybe this is why they all feel so hollow to you, Stackelberg, is because there's no... I don't get... Like, they, well, they never seem to have a compelling villain, which is weird to me. But the villains always seem like these little one-off, like, you know, like Loki or whatever in Avengers was this, like, little sniveling dude who just seemed a little too big for their riches and then kind of get, like, knocked down to size. And I don't – that doesn't seem to be, like, a competing real ideology besides, like, alien space worms or, like, something faceless and formless, you know? And in this movie, I think that's why these, these people – kind of descend on each other is because you're you're just staving off economic doom basically and in the form of these abstract forces and the idea is well should we regulate the people who have the most economic power or should we make let them make their own decisions it was very ayn randy to me did you guys not get that at all the atlas shrugged idness of this all uh here's what I, I i'm still not getting how we can jump to it being an economic thing because this is entirely about Oh, well, yeah, this is where this thought came from, is that while the characters were fighting, like, there's this thing where all the characters come in, right, and then Anthony Mackie is, or, or Falcon or whatever says, like, everyone has a gimmick now, you know? And it does feel like that. It feels like a bunch of these franchises interacting and, like, everyone has to do their bit. And I was thinking, like, <laughs> yes. previously... Well, that's true. I think, and it, I mean, it's it's, you know, this is a movie that's very self-aware of... Um, it's importance to a corporation and it's importance to a corporate franchise, right? This is a movie that that just allows you to so openly trade in these terms like franchise. I think I wrote this in my notes somewhere. Oh, yeah. The idea of being of stewardship, you know, of characters. The Marvel Universe is yeah. these great the steward of these of these franchises, you know, like all of that sort of terminology. This is this this corporate idea of of um, how to produce and spread culture. That's what this film is, is gesturing at, I think, with something like Everybody's Got a Gimmick Now, because they know that that we're wising up to how ridiculous it is to just keep ad adding new Absolutely. characters. And so not this... only on a Marvel level. I mean, I look down at uh, my notes right now, and the one line uh, delivered by the guy in the gray suit um, 
the guy who you know what I'm talking about, he looked like Iron Man, uh, but he had a gray suit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don yeah, Cheadle. Don, Don, Don Cheadle, Cheadle, who, how could any of us care whether Don Cheadle dies or not when I he wasn't even Don, Don Cheadle, Cheadle in the first movie? If I did see the first Iron Man, and in the first Iron Man, Don Cheadle was Terrence Howard. So in a sense, yeah, that no, guy no. already died once died in a very in weird way. Filming, is this a replacement, or is Terrence Howard still alive? No, no, no. It was a replacement. Terrence, like and it was not a death thing. It was because okay, Terrence yeah. Howard did not want to renew uh, his contract. No, it was. I think he just wanted more money. Well, you yeah, know, Iron Man was ridiculously like, successful. Robert Downey Jr. was being paid a lot more than him or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm sure, right? And, you know, and it's like, yeah. and it was Disney, or back then it was pre-Disney, it was Marvel, you know, like like actually demonstrating that they were totally willing to just dump someone if need well, be. Well, okay, so this is this is well, my Dr. thing. Is that these new- is a new addition, right? I think Robert Downey Jr.'s dad was played by someone else in the first one as well. Um, but really quickly, what I was going to say is, so uh, Don Cheadle dies, and or something like that. And oh yeah, I guess he's not even dead. Right. Junior says, "Give me back my Ralphie, Rothy. What was that guy's name? Uh, Ropey. I don't know." Um, and R- Ropey. I have no idea who you're talking about. Was there a Don character Chiel. named Ropey in this? Don Cheadle. Don was Don Cheadle named Ropey? <laughs> We're gonna Some call him thing. Ropey. He was. Uh, yeah. No, it's a. Uh, Ro- I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, I think it, it's similar to Ropey. Um, and so <laughs> then. Um, Robert Downey Jr. says, give me back my ropey, which is a clear comment or a clear, I guess, playoff. Give me back my son. Give me back my daughter. Those classic lines from Liam Neeson's Taken. So I thought this movie was just completely <laughs> reaching across all bounds and winking at the audience and saying not only is the Marvel Universe completely okay, and fouled, <clears throat> the whole Hollywood movie making thing is just this complete clusterfuck of just, okay. you know. You're the- wrong, but you're also right. So you're wrong in that, like, Taken did not, uh, 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 Taken didn't originate the family kidnapping thing. Okay. But you're also right, I think, in that, okay, and by the way, I'm saying this is a fun way to watch this movie. It's a fun way to watch this movie as each of these people, because that's the problem with watching these movies, is I, they always look so clean and so, like, moneyed, you know, and, like, everything is so, and that's the weird thing about making commercial fonts be like Lagos and Queens and all that sort of stuff. Is it what could seem like an indie flourish feels like a corporate indie flourish. Like yes. everything is going to feel corporate no matter what. Yes. Right. Um, it's very much vice media to have the like Lagos and like, you know, exactly. Whatever yeah. In the background. Yeah. It's, well, I don't know. <laughs> so you, it's so you can just like scroll past this movie on Facebook and just see that. And then you can get the whole movie from it. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, Oh, so I, it's a fun way to watch the movie. If you watch all these people as basically the, the distillation of capital and basically like each one of them like a corporation because they like that's what they seem like. They seem like flying like corporate logos, you know? <laughs> and so the idea that like – and yet they're having this debate and it is like it's, it's an Atlas Shrug debate, which is that like they basically come in and they're like, you know, oh, like we just need to regulate you guys and we need to like – Figure because you can wreck everything for everybody if you decide to, and and you can't act like this. And they say, well, we need freedom because the only way we can, you know, produce and the only thing we can save you is the only way we can save you is by having absolute freedom to do absolutely whatever we want. And I'm saying, like, really, in our terms now, because if you try to to attach any other, like, you have terrorism, right? But there's no real, like, there isn't a real thing where like vigilantes are going around fighting terrorists i mean i guess that's the drone warfare thing but i think it's so much interesting more interesting to think about like 
what does abstract annihilation look like for our globalized world? The real, like, subconscious abstract annihilation is something like the global financial crisis. But to ground that, so that is true. Here's what confused me a little bit is because the, what? I mean, I don't want to sound glib or, like, I'm in an ivory tower or something, but nine or, you know. You're literally you're recording this from an Harvard ivory dorm. tower, man. Yeah, you're in a Harvard <laughs> dorm right now. How like this seemed to be the Lagos, the thing that happened in Lagos seemed to be a minor as far as like the stakes of like human cost of like superhero warfare, like what one floor of an office building got wiped out. Like that didn't seem to me to warrant the whole you have to regulate the Avengers. That seemed a little bit haphazard. I think this is where the other things happened in other movies that we didn't watch. Okay. The Lagos thing was like the last straw. Right. Okay. Like, yeah, right. The other stuff happened in movies, but yeah. like, but you, I think you are right in that, like, yeah, terrorist attacks in like really poor, like black and brown areas of the world don't make people change giant areas of policy. Like, if there was a terrible terrorist attack in Africa, which by the way there have been lots of, you wouldn't get the whole UN together about it. Probably. Like, Boko Haram I guess in real life seemed way worse than what happened in Mr. Boko Haram is Africa. worse than superheroes. This yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Okay, so I, to go back to this comment, the, the a very I think true thing about all of these movies, you know, of the 2000s, that they don't have compelling villains. Um, and Captain America, I guess, sort of, I, I didn't see the first Captain America, but I imagine it got around this a little bit because the first Captain America was a period piece, right? Or was it not? Hail Hydra. It was set in, like, 1945. Yeah, see, so then, oh, sure, you can have a lot of fun with that. That sounds I, to great. be honest, made that up, but I believe it's right. Yeah, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> did you see that movie? I did not. No, you fucking didn't. Yeah. I think the first one he just gets like unfrozen. Oh, okay, but he's still old timey. Yeah, I think it's and, always know, like a play fish with out the of fact water that he knows. The first anyway, one's about him being like a good old boy or whatever. But the fact is, you can't make a compelling villain in these movies again because while there are compelling ideologies to, or at least compelling political struggles to portray right now, you can't put them in a corporate picture that is going to be distributed to, you know, 50 different countries. Oh, well, that's the weird thing to me is I think if you read the movie this way, that this movie is is a pro Ayn Randy thing, you know? Like this, it, it Captain America seems to be in the right here. But also, we should acknowledge that the story, the last part of the story is crazy weak. Yes. Like the idea yeah. that this guy set up this whole terrorist attack to yeah. make Robert Downey Jr. watch a video? Because the villain isn't, like, it's such a dumb villain. It's such a and stupid villain. And himself, right? And then Black Panther. Yeah. No, I thought this whole, it, it beyond a stumble to the finish line, this movie is, like, <laughs> fall, well, crawling weird. hands and knees to the finish line, gasping for breath. I thought... I was, I was, was fine cool. with the there are going to be more Winter Soldiers thing, because I was like, yeah, that seems like, yeah, okay, whatever, in the next movie, I guess there's more of them, I don't care, but, like, that's how these movies end, but to, yeah, end it with just, like, ha-ha, tricked you, I killed everyone in the UN to get you to watch a video in the same room as your friend is crazy it's totally nuts it's it's complete but again this is a villain who whose entire substance his motivation has to come fully from some sort of love or family connection because if he actually had a bone to pick with with any yeah. actual <laughs> he's like oh it was a failed state anyway you could you could kill everybody exactly it's I mean... fine <laughs> Because these movies can't address actual political struggle in any way, and they can't yeah. address actual moral struggle in any way. They have to sort yeah, of what? manufacture these fake moral struggles that that work in these in these big, broad emotional strokes. 
there were like four people in this movie who had like or pretty much every that's the funny part about these movies when you put this many superheroes in one room together everybody's motivation is that their parents died yes exactly competing people doing the same things because their parents died all these parents fucking died it's like jesus christ i i could not care less about robert downey jr's parents like i just how has there not been a superhero who's like parents were really abusive and like the way he got his superpowers was like so he could kill them you know, like how is there not like a, a like a throwing off the mantle of abuse, self empowering? Because it wouldn't like, make it wouldn't make two hundred million dollars in a weekend, right? I mean, we know the answer to that. It's because you have to that you have to have a motivation that everyone can get behind. If you if you add any sort of moral complication beyond this pseudo moral complication, that's really just it's supposed to be behind Captain America because he's right. Then you, then you can't. You're not making a marketable enough film. I mean, these films have to satisfy everyone absolutely everyone or else they don't make enough money because they cost so fucking much you know but do you honestly think that people come to him and i'm not saying that they don't think this but uh, do you think they're right in thinking that i feel like if a movie seems like it's of the moment and has something to say and is controversial in some way it's gonna make more people see it like that's the thing about these movies none of them seem necessary because they're all just a tremendous slog it's like a never-ending season of tv for a show and you're like oh well if it's never gonna get to the finale i don't really care i know what would controversy look like in a movie like this i can't even like what captain america's parents are alive uh, i i just <laughs> don't understand <laughs> Sort of like, well, no, we're saying it would be really funny just... if Captain America was the only one with alive parents, even though like they're 140 years old or whatever they'd have to be. Like they're, they're super old. They've had wonderful <laughs> lives. They just come and pinch his cheeks. And just, <laughs> I imagine them super Jewish. Like they're just really Jewish Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> Hasidic maybe. Even. They bake in cookies all the time. Spider-Man in this movie. Spider-Man oh, was, so uh, I think Spider-Man, I really liked him. In the sense that, you know, he's, he's the character done right. If you care about this character, I think he's a very, like, he's a version of this character that you can feel happy about. I, my theory about Spider-Man, though, in this film is that it's basically just Marvel demonstrating that they can do a better Spider-Man than any of the other movie studios. Like, it's them, yeah. like, coming out here and just fucking flexing in front of everyone. You know, like, check out how easy it is for us to totally nail this character. Like, well, in okay. fact, that's an, like, there's a certain degree... What do we think of Robert Downey Jr. and Spider-Man's mom getting it on? It's aunt. Did I, okay. <laughs> Spider-Man's aunt. Is Spider-Man's parents dead? Yeah, they're dead. Man. Well, okay. <laughs> of course they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason know. he starts is because his uncle dies, right? Uh, yeah, Uncle Ben gets murdered. Uncle yeah. Ben gets murdered, yeah. yeah. Uncle Ben from Star Wars? Is that a cross? Isn't Uncle Ben also in Star no, Wars? Uncle ben we are maybe Rice. three films away from Disney doing a crossover, though. I, did you notice that they mentioned Empire Strikes yeah. Back? That was so they like. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah. It was just like, yeah. we can do this. You know, the IPOs all, are overlapping. Do you also notice, like, the character they brought in to be, like, notably a black superhero, Black Panther, at some point just gets tased for a while? <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally missed that. <laughs> she's just like, hey, white man, you're not going to stop, are you? And he's like, no. And she's like, great, I'll tase this black guy forever. Oh, so God. You can and go to your private plane. <laughs> by guard. By. by... <laughs> <laughs> to go to the private, yeah, that's true. To go to the Learjet, like the really souped-up Learjet, and and it's by Scarlett Johansson, who's a notable racist, uh, who who played recently um, a uh, what did she play? A, a Native American? Oh, an Asian woman. An right? Asian woman? No, she, isn't she? In, oh no, she's she in plays an a anime? black woman. Is that it? 
No, I think. Oh yeah, she's in an uh, anime. That's Soul right. Ransom that's plays right. Plays a black woman. No, 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 no. In it's a, it's an anime. It's in an anime where it's obviously of... an Asian character, and she plays yeah. the Asian character. Um, yeah. Do you blame her for that? No, of no, course not. I just I think that it's really. I think it's really funny that it's her that she's yeah, yeah no okay. Holly, there's here's, no one in here's what i'm saying did you really take this so seriously that you didn't enjoy any of it no did you that's... never experience enjoying this movie so this is this is the thing about why i'm so angry that they're so good at making these right because it's so uh-huh. charming and enjoyable from almost okay. beginning to end like it's a very these are all very enjoyable films in fact i can't think of one marvel universe film that I wouldn't enjoy if I saw, and all the ones I have seen, I've enjoyed, right? And the basic level okay, of was yeah. I entertained? And I was so worried about the t- like I was I was going in two and a half hours. It's the first time I'd been to multiplex oh in like three months. I was like, God, this is actually so much worse. Like right as I was getting into the theater, I was like, I, I this is going to be a, lot a worse. multiplex. Well, yeah, you know, like a big movie ch- movie theater chain versus just like a like uh, a small theater. I saw yeah. this in a small theater. Um, I but, saw this in Grauman's Chinese Theater IMAX screen. It was the famous Grauman's. The famous Grauman's. It's actually yeah, TLC Chinese Theater or whatever now. TCL. I don't fucking know. I saw this at Apple Cinemas Cambridge. It was four seventy five movie ticket night. So a lot of people brought for children. Uh, ah. and were, uh, a bunch of guess school. how much? Guess how much my movie ticket cost? Guess how much I paid to go to this movie? Eighteen dollars. The Stackelberg. Um, twenty dollars. $23. It goes to Spackleberg. Did you get free food? I know I didn't get free food. What would If there was an all-you-can-eat buffet, I would pay $25 for a movie ticket. Yeah, that, I would pay $25 for an all-you-can-eat buffet as well. Um, but here, I don't want to sound like a crank. There were actually very few moments <laughs> in the movie that I actually did enjoy because most of the characters I thought seemed hefties i don't want to get into body shaming but they just seemed lethargic and old and really struggling with some of the physical motions uh, why is why why does chris uh oh god what's the chris the evans guy's name chris evans why does chris evans makeup look like that who did he play captain captain america, america. Oh, okay it's uh, a Bro- yeah, they're trying to make him look odd. brooklyn yeah is that brooklyn look- makeup is that the old brooklyn white face <laughs> He didn't seem to have some sort of white face going on where he was paler and his face. Oh, my God. I would so subscribe to a Captain America's black like a Gatsby is black theory. (laughs) (laughs) Captain America's just been trying to pass this entire time. But Robert Downey Jr. versus sort of a heavyset Croatian guy at the end was just like two big bulking masses like slam. It it was undifferentiated fighting. It wasn't nimble. It wasn't quick. It was just lumbering, fat. I really did not enjoy That's it. very true. The, the, it seems like the the sort of modus operandi of the whole film was to demonstrate that these men were so, and women, were so powerful that they were also really heavy. <laughs> they just had a lot it's of gonna, It's going to sound like we edited that and women in, but that's just what your voice <laughs> did. And you have a just a patch somewhere in your brain that just circuits in <laughs> politically correct <laughs> <terms>. And women. <laughs> so I almost and women. He or she. The end. And stunt was a self-parody of that. It was saying the only thing we could do to create a distraction, like, a, you know, the only thing we can do to distract the audience is to make something really as big as we can. And it becomes almost like grotesquerie of, like, largeness, in my opinion. <laughs> but, you know. I, I really thought he was going to fart in, in, when he did that. And I was just going to be really upset about it. That would have upset me. No, but that's the thing is they're too good at that. They are too good at that yeah. to put a fart joke there. This is what I'm saying. They are, there's a slickness, but it's not just like a, it's it's not just that there's sort of a corporate sheen over everything. It's that they genuinely 
have some idea of what they're trying to accomplish and um and they have they have a a vision for a for a kind of bringing a kind of humanity though to 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 to, to Every character having a lot of jokes. It's good writing. Okay, so here's here's what I'm going to say. The corporations here, which is going to yeah. be a very unpopular viewpoint in this podcast. Something yes. I was pleasantly surprised by: how little product placement there was compared to something like Transformers. I found a refreshing lack of uh, product placement. Yeah, yeah MIT like, had product placement. What is up with that? MIT must have paid the money because he had the mission statement. He said the whole mission statement in the film is so is that really Is that really their mission statement? Because I thought to myself, that is a stupid mission statement. Well, he was you saying. He has enough money to pay for them to be in a movie. Well, I mean, obviously. Vivo clearly paid because he used the Vivo phone. Uh, Audi paid because of the Audi cars. Nestle paid because there was a couple of Nestle things in the uh, Nigerian market. But besides that, like, there wasn't like a Budweiser truck that got flipped over, or, you know, it wasn't like a Lockheed Martin plane, you know, something like that. Yeah, and the cars. As long as you don't shoot the cars in the car commercial way, I'm fine with the cars being a car. Yeah, I I was watching Scandal. I was watching Scandal the other week, and it was Scandal is wild on the on the product placement. Yeah, Scandal really goes for it, and they they'll get in the car like right after having like with somebody like being tortured in the back seat, (laughs) shot exactly like the car commercials (laughs) that come on in the middle, and it's so weird. It's very off putting. Um, so here's what I'm going to say. I, I think, okay, here's here's my new re- refined argument, is that these movies are not made to say anything. But if they're going to be around for the rest of time as, like, the one of the main artistic things, nominally artistic things that our society puts money into, like, overall, are these movies eventually going to have, like, the most collectively they must right like whatever this series of marvel movies will have like the most ever societal societal capital put into making a piece of art right if you consider them of a piece which they desperately try to be so so we're making a tremendous investment in this franchise or series or whatever to the point where it's like gotta be something close to the urtext of our culture and so even if they're planned out and they're so, you know, made into this like stereotypes and, and predictable story beats and all this sort of stuff that just by dint of them being ever present in our culture as our culture changes and our culture goes to interact with them every time, they can still say things unintentionally and they can still bumble into our actual beyond the zeitgeist, but like our actual state of being in, in like really interesting ways. I hear you, and I will say an anecdote that I think is relevant. Uh, do you guys remember that Kickstarter campaign uh, for the man to make a chicken salad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, where this guy got a lot of money to essentially do nothing. Uh, yeah. And right, and that's the same way. I think you and I and Emmett are participating in this movie uh, to say we participated in the spectacle of a Captain America movie. Uh, just like the same way that people were donating to the chicken salad to say, oh, they participated in it. It doesn't have to mean anything besides people want to be a part of large spectacles. You know, I think it just boils down to that. But do you not think that this, so you didn't watch this movie thinking this is relevant to our current situation at all? Uh, Like it is too much of our current situation for us to view it as any, like we don't have enough distance. Uh, Yeah, well, we're no, no, Nachman's wrong. Um, Not well, wrong. We're, take it, we're take, it take, take me to the hoop. There, you know, there's, I think, hard. there's no question that you, that you can that you can read a lot into 
um, into the present state of our culture and certainly the, the present state of maybe this era of late capitalism in this movie. But I think it's what you just said, Silva. It is the, it is the very fact of the blandness of these movies. Or not even blandness, because the problem is they're not bland. They're so fucking enjoyable that uh, that you you know you're actually genuinely entertained when you watch them if you're uh, pr- presumably only if you're a product of the same capitalistic milieu but whatever uh, they are uh, so damn um, just uh, nice they're just films that everyone will like and I think that is that is one of the ways in which they reflect our culture reflect our society is the okay, fact well, that they're no oh, go ahead well so what about this 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 thing where vision uh, is like Yo, as we basically ever since Robert Downey Jr. put on the suit and called himself Iron Man, the number of superheroes has exponentially increased and the number of near world ending events has also exponentially increased in tandem, right? And there might be a causality there. That doesn't make you think of the war on terror in any way. I mean, that seems like it's obviously prime for the war on terror. The idea that like, as we try to pursue terrorism and as we try to like make these giant gestures towards making the world safer, the world gets more and more dangerous. I think that's completely uh, right. Number one terror. And it's sort of that awkward thing of what is the only thing that can justify a superhero is some catastrophic event. Otherwise you look incredibly stupid to have Robert Downey Jr. If he's saving a cat in a tree, for instance, Right, exactly. So the self-fulfilling prophecy—the only thing that can justify the Avengers Palace, the only thing that can, you know, keep a movie's nice Tom Ford suits, as you know, Robert Downey says he is in—is to have these catastrophic events. Maybe an analogy to global capitalism. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that I think, yeah, it's re- so it's easy to read the terrorist thing, and then I just think, you know, on some level, you can also read a larger because, yeah, just the way these people talk about like controlling. I mean, I guess it is a very easy analogy for police action generally or, or you know. Right. That's where I think I think that, that Black Lives Matter had a real hand in in the in the it's attempts that this that this film made to say something. In fact, I wrote it down somewhere. I mean, there's, you know, just all of these ideas it, of um, notes. I have no notes. When I said I, I was looking at my notes, note. I made that. I also have no you notes. You don't have notes. <laughs> I think all our listeners should know. You, call, you called him Ropey. There's no way you have notes. <laughs> to be fair, I would also totally accept that he's called Ropey. Yeah, maybe he's called Ropey. Like, who am I to say he isn't called Ropey? I have no alternate hypothesis. Um, my notes are mostly so mostly pattern. not even, like, I can't even decipher them. So, oh, who's going to avenge my son? You remember that moment? Um, yeah. You know, that's the moment that actually really sets off the it's the inciting incident in insofar as it's part of Tony Stark's emotional journey toward, you know, being the the primary member of the, the you know, the primary guy that we're rooting against in this civil war or whatever, is that he's confronted yeah. um by this African American woman whose African American son was killed, right? And she gives him a picture of this, you know, young man doing some you know, in some like portrait or something, which it which obviously is meant to bring to mind all of these portraits of these young black men that we've seen killed, right? It has to. And it has to be. Yeah. It, it felt like such a sort of ham-fisted, like, let's put that in there. So Although I, then, weirdly, weirdly, we never get, like, they don't really focus on the American death toll in any of these places. It's always the death toll in, like, very poor, 
either third world countries or just like foreign othered countries or made up countries. His son died in Sokovia, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I'm saying. He went to Sokovia. Right. Sokovia is the name. He was off doing a nice thing and then he and then he yeah, he died in Sokovia. Um, And that's true. I think that that this film, again, couldn't confront American deaths because that would there would actually be a moral charge, like a real moral charge. Well, you can't confront American deaths post 9-11. You just can't do it. I really don't think America's ready to see the Avengers plane fly into the equivalent of the Freedom Tower. You mean except for like the four times that New York has been destroyed in movies since 9-11? Yeah, we've been, we've like been 9-11-ing all the time yeah. since 9-11. Superman, four movies. Avengers. So the first Avengers, uh, New York gets like essentially leveled by yeah, Loki aliens. Yeah, the first aliens. Avengers was super 9-11-ing. And Hulk also well, does some yeah. pretty bad damage. Um, and then, uh, I think the first, the new Superman, like the first one, Superman Returns or whatever it was called, the oh, Zack Snyder Superman. Yeah, Man of Steel. Had just like a, yeah, Man of Steel, that's what it's called. Had just like, uh, uh, I didn't see it, but from what I understand, yeah, it leveled I New York. that one. That may actually be the one that I'm thinking of that's like way too 9-11-y. It's Sorry, too I mean, it, yeah. it leveled Metropolis, but come on. Yeah. I stand corrected, but not convinced. Aha. The Knockman way. <laughs> well, you guys were coming guns blazing saying every movie has been, you know, 9-11, like, pastiche. And, and yeah, every been, movie has been the 9-11 pastiche. Did you see guys, Finding Nemo, oh, man? What was, what was that movie. movie? Do you guys remember that movie? I was only told about this. I obviously didn't watch it. It might have had Robert Pattinson in it or something. It was like... Yeah. Oh, I... Do you know what I'm talking about? talking about this movie? There's the one, the one at the it. very end of the film where they zoom out and 9/11 is about to happen. Yeah, it's like a very sad rom-com or like drama, and then you, and then he's like, "Well, gotta go to work," and he goes to work in the World Trade Center on 9/11. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, I did not hear about that, but we can add that to the list. That's three movies. Well, and okay. I mean, thank you. There's just constantly destroy. I mean, and all, goth all the plight of Gotham in all three Batman films seems unmistakably like you know terror visited I, upon a city um i mean the joker is essentially a terrorist the, the right? batman yeah the joker one is actually i did get add a lot of 9-11 vibes the scarecrow one i did not get any 9-11 vibes from. okay but maybe I, yeah I would, but certainly dark and then of course dark, dark knight rises is a uh, is this um you know this this figure who cuts off access to the city and turns it into this uh this real you know there's evacuation orders and everything i mean that's you know all of that is very reminiscent yeah. Uh, not yeah. Well, as a New Yorker who was there for 9/11, I don't think any evacuation or yeah. I mean, we, oh, we the shall... listener should know that Knockman saw 9/11. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna I color every one of our podcasts. Playing through my mind at all times. Yeah, you know, all of uh, so... all of our podcasts are going to be you know severely affected by this fact. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, Knockman doesn't bring up the fact that he saw 9/11, <laughs> every podcast something's gone deeply wrong. Did you see all the Muslims celebrating in New Jersey or whatever? Also, by the way. Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, that was right across the river for me. Uh, <laughs> you looked in one. You looked in one window and it looked, was nine yeah. eleven, and you looked in another window. It was just Muslims celebrating. I looked over the Hudson <laughs> River and it was nine eleven. I looked over the East River and it was like fucking Ramadan, you know. So it was just back. <laughs> or should I, I should say the end of Ramadan when you traditionally have a post Ramadan celebration, not during Ramadan. That's a very somber time. Um, well, Nachman, nobody thought you meant during Ramadan. <laughs> Okay, good. No, as no, no. I think I'm... all the listeners know that Nachman's a real dumbass by now, and so I think that could that assumption could be made. Yeah. That's uh, true. So let's get back to this movie. Um, we had a point. Okay, so I don't think... So you guys think America is ready to be destroyed on screen. Fine. 
Um, well, yeah, that's well the thing, by though, the way, Independence America... Day uh, 2 is coming out in over the summer, and all I've seen is just things getting, like, like landmarks getting destroyed. In fact, they have a line in the trailer. Jeff Goldblum you says they like to take too? out the landmarks. Did you say Ghostbusters 2? What did you say? Oh, no, in, Independence, in, in, Independence Day 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> I bet you there uh, will be some sort of 9-11 reference in Ghostbusters 2, too. In fact, I will put money on that right now. 50 bucks. screamed by Leslie Jones, though. Right, right. But it's there's going to be... No, I think it's going to come in a somber moment, actually. I think there's going to just be some sort of acknowledgement in a somber, very hokey way of 9-11 in Ghostbusters 2. Like, Wait, you think there's going to be a somber 9-11 tribute in Ghostbusters 2? You're not wrong. A, not I'll a tribute. Not like I'll a 10-minute well. tribute. No, I just mean like an offhand, like there will be a reference to what? the attacks or something. Why? And it will be, and it will be serious. What? Why? I don't know why I'm it's so convinced the, of this. This is not the first am, movie since 9-11. I am so convinced of this. I don't, I, there's no reason for me to convi- be this convinced is a, of this. This is a very weird, if you're right, I'm really going to respect you. Here's, <laughs> because, I, I, I agree with Emmett. I think it's going to be less somber. I think there's going to be the ghost of like a firefighter who died trying to like save some uh-huh, uh-huh, system. Uh-huh. They choose not to kill what? that firefighter ghost. They let that ghost live. I it, call that pretty somber, though. Isn't that pretty so- I mean, it's not no, funny. it's really beautiful and haunting. I, I totally think <laughs> that. That ghost live? They decided not to suck that ghost up because he was such a great fight. <laughs> I think that would be a 9-11 tribute. Oh, and he'll have such, like, a the, Jersey the, the accent. camera, and they say, Congress, extend benefits for these people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't suck these ghosts up. The VA Congress, is sucking these ghosts con- dry. <laughs> VA can suck any ghost dry. Um, I, I, you guys are both wildly wrong about this. 9-11 won't come up once in in Ghostbusters two. It well, uh, yeah. I mean, I would even take because I guess I could also take at this point either it won't come up or there'll just be a joke about it. Does that can I? Take no, but that? they won't. It can't be a no, joke. No, no, it can't be a joke about it. You, yeah. No, 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 no. No one's making a joke about 9-11 in a blockbuster movie until maybe. Well, I, I think the world, I, I think catastrophic I think climate Leslie change Jones will take can us pull it off. Point. Leslie Jones is charming and wonderful, and she, yeah, I would, I would like to see her react to everything in the world, you know. And if she, she I would love to see, I love to see what. Aubrey. I think Leslie Jones could pull off a, a 9/11 joke. You think, think who? Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza is a 9/11 joke. <laughs> no, she could pull off a 9/11 joke. I don't know if she is a 9/11 joke, but she could definitely pull off a 9/11 joke. Look, I, I, I know Aubrey Plaza and you, sir, are no 9-11 joke. Uh, <laughs> all right, so. Oh, okay. So, yeah, go. Oh, I had one more thing about um, 9-11. Shoot. Oh, did everyone see the Indiegogo um, of this guy who wants to recreate 9-11 to just, like, answer all the questions we have about it? No, yeah. like he wants to do like a home he experiment to, or like want, on uh, on scale. He wants what to, he want to do? <laughs> on scale. He wants to raise one million five hundred thousand dollars, which apparently that's all he thinks he needs to realize. <laughs> you tell me it takes one mil- one point five million dollars to rebuild those towers to get two planes to crash. Into them. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. What? Do you, okay, well, okay. So we're laughing at him, but what's the, what? Where would you put that cost? One point five. This would be a fascinating. Like, don't they ask these kind of problems during consulting interviews, where they're like, "So, how many you know socks are in the world?" I think this would be a good one if you were like, "How much would it cost to recreate 9-11? <laughs> Faithfully in your backyard. Well, no, yeah. Well, no, because you have to buy the land. No, you need enough space. Yeah, you need enough space for two towers. Presumably, is he going to do? Crash Does test it have dummy? to be in the same climate? Oh, that's a good. The climatological question is good. He's a, he lives in China currently. He's an American living in China. 
Um, he said he said he knows much of the world and could you know he tried to find Toby a Tickle? place in the world. Oh, speaking of expats, speaking of black, black and brown bodies, let's go back to this. Why are white immigrants called expats and uh, you know not white immigrants are called quote unquote immigrants? Why? Something that also. Well, I never really known when to use expat or not, but you're right. I, I do think that you you seem to just use. I think you can use expat when you're like talking about somebody from your country who's somewhere else. An expatriate, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, like it's an immigrant if like they're in your country now. Yes. Right, but you do. Do you think it has a Caucasian connotation? Like, to be honest, no. Uh, yeah, well, James I mean, Baldwin was an expat. Uh, he lived in Paris. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I think it has more a Parisian connotation. Like, you have to be living yeah. in Paris. Yeah, that's really expat. the big. That's the main. That's the main uh, requirement. I stand corrected again. I, my wrong tallies up to five tonight. Uh, I'm, you know. Are you keeping I'm, track of everybody's, by the way? Where are we? Uh, ben, you're at two. Emmett, you're at one. I'm at five. Ooh, okay. I'm so Nachman is currently the most wrong. Yeah. Uh, do, do we have any, any last-minute flurries here? Anybody think anybody's been wrong about stuff? Anybody want to venture something they're probably wrong about? I won't say you're necessarily wrong in your general thesis, Ben, but I will say... Saying a big blockbuster movie is, uh, you know, a slave to late capitalism or, you know, somehow backwards critique of late capitalism does seem like the obvious, you know, bit of theory to work in there. I don't think it's I don't think it's a critique of late capitalism. I think it's a expression to really deal. Well, I think it's an attempt to deal with this uh, income inequality and and the uh, globalization. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's a critique, but that's the weird thing. That's the weird thing about this is I didn't I like something like, you know, Dark Knight or any of the any of the movies that have kind of dealt with like the either Occupy or the whatever movement it's, you know, you're going to have it uh, this kind of populist economic dissatisfaction. It's almost always on the side of or at least like the truth seems to be that the people are right, right? Like that's what the the uh, that second or the third Batman is, right? It's that like, oh, this guy's doing terrible things, like blowing up this football stadium, but he's kind of maybe a folk hero a little bit because he's kind of speaking truth to billionaires. So yeah. let's see it. And this movie really seems to take the side of it's best if the really powerful, really rich people can just do whatever the fuck they want because they know better. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. Like, I, I still, this is a really anti-government regulation movie. I still think fundamentally, I, I still think you can make you can do this sort of reading, this economic reading, um, if if you wish. I don't see any evidence of it in how in in the movie itself. Like I I just no, don't yeah. see it. I think you have to place no, a lens. I think it's on a fun. It. I think it's just but, a fun way to watch it. There's no evidence. But I I totally agree that this film is endorsing just like the strongest person in the room or the strongest state in the world or whatever it is, the strongest force having full autonomy and that being the way that we stay safest or whatever. It's so clearly like against the UN Accords, this whole stuff. I mean, the UN is a kind of villain in this film. I mean... Yeah, that's that's what I found so weird but about But on a base level... Although it's also like the UN... There are things more powerful than the American government, right? Or are they, are they not saying that? Are we well, not reading that into it? Well, that's that's what I was trying to figure out because I couldn't tell if the super... If the Avengers were the American government and were American overreach or if they were... They were the American you know, spirit. Something above the American government. Well, some people would say that there's a new brand of global super rich who, you know, sort of go above any sort of government. That's what I'm saying. Whether American or otherwise. So that, you know what, maybe put me back up to six. Uh-oh. Stack a bunch of 
two. Oh, and no, you no, no. down to one of the wrong call. Why are you, you the scorekeeper? Right. No, not been the scorekeeper forever now. He's yeah. doing a great job. That was a complex bit of scorekeeping, and every bit of it was right. And you. <laughs> You're keeping Thank your you. job only because you punished yourself, Nogman. No, well, Nogman is doing his job because he um, has the mind for it. And I will guarantee you, I haven't looked this up yet, um, but w- when I do, the character's name will not be Ropey. So I'm preemptively giving myself one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you had five other wrongs. I think Ropey was in the five, man. Uh, and my chicken salad analogy, I think, was also wrong as well. So I, you know, <laughs> I'm being harsh, but fair, I think. Wait, wait. We didn't get to this. Uh, quick. Yeah. Who, how much would it take to recreate 9-11? Zuckerberg. Oh, I said 1.5 billion. I think 1.5 billion. Yeah. Nachman? Um, 35 million. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking like 60 million, but I have no idea. How much does it cost to build a building? How much did the Freedom Tower cost? How much does it cost to rent a plane? It is my big question. Well, you couldn't just rent it because you're going to destroy it. You got to buy that plane. Yeah. You got to buy the plane. Yeah. You're not returning that one after. I gotta rent this plane. <laughs> Don't pay any attention to my strong internet presence on Kickstarter. Uh, <laughs> that might indicate please my do desire not to rent me. this 747. <laughs> so here's my question, too. I mean, if he's doing a completely faithful recreation, you know, he's got to get the wiring correct. He's got to get, exactly. you know, the lighting fixtures. Because who knows what really caused 9-11, right? Like, maybe, sure, the plane caused it. But also, it could be the plane, like, hit, like, you know, a big computer hub. And then all the wires went crazy. And yeah, or like they didn't replace their microwaves. You know, exactly. Early. You know, like it also happened to be a short circuit, like microwave fire on floor 47. Because that that's day. the thing. It's like, oh, jet fuel isn't hot enough to melt steel beams. But what if like a thousand microwaves all, you know, started melting? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what so I love is that is it, if, if he pulls this, if he pulls this <laughs> off, uh, we could still be asking the same questions, right? Like, no matter how many cameras he points at this or whatever, how many, like, you know, spectrometers he, he fastens to various shit or whatever, like, he, we could, we'd just watch it again and then we'd all be, like, curious about what happened. I, it wouldn't even solve anything. No, I yeah, think but- if this guy pulls off 9-11 in his backyard, A, it looks makes the original 9-11 look like shit. Look like a terrible terrorist prank. Uh, it is like- the most American thing we could do to, to do it ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how bad must you Don't feel? Don't hit if- me, I'll hit me. <laughs> you did the original 9-11 and some guy's like, oh yeah, that's cool, but I just did it in my backyard for $1.5 million. That's it. Okay. And I didn't have to even use existing buildings. I built my own building, you <laughs> asshole. It's like buying store-bought guacamole mix. It's like use a fucking avocado, bro. I'm actually very much now pro this 9-11 recreation and hope it happens. Were you ever anti? I was a little bit anti because uh, I did he, see 9-11. He saw, I don't saw want 9-11, I remember. <laughs> yeah, so why do you even need it recreated? You saw it. What happened, man? Um, well, memory's a fuzzy thing, but, uh, you know. I, How old were I you? Could see uh, I was, it was the first day of second grade, which would oh place me at eight years old. Yeah, Why don't wow. you just do it by 2001, the year? <laughs> uh, yeah, that might have been a little bit easier. Uh, and I, in fact, actually, I was seven years old. Now that I think about it, 2001, I was born in 1994, so I was seven years old. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, one more wrong from Nachman. Yeah, I'm up to my I, um, I have another prediction in addition to yes, my you saw 9-11, but you were, didn't see the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 9-11, 2000. 
when I thought it happened. <laughs> uh, in addition to my Ghostbusters prediction, I also predict that Tony Stark, and I'll put money on this too, that Tony Stark will recreate 9-11 in the next five to ten, five to seven <clears throat> Marvel films. One of those films. Not- that's that's the thing I'm fascinated by. I'm I'm so interested to see what this what a Marvel film looks like. Like on the day my son graduates college, what Marvel film will be in theaters? You know, well, that's Ant Man twenty. College, but yeah. Uh, wait, I was gonna ask something. What was it? It was about nine eleven. Knockman, how shocked would you be? This is what it was. How surprised would you be if you now saw a video of nine eleven? You were like, oh, that's nine eleven. That's not what I saw. <laughs> uh, I'm almost positive like, that is what's going to happen, so I've avoided <laughs> seeing any videos of it. Um, but no, I would not be surprised if 9-11 was like an ice cream cart flipping over. Y- you know, I-, I just, who knows what I saw. On that note, this has been... <laughs> Somebody's got to be wrong. What was the final score? Uh, yeah, final tally. With uh, seven, uh, Silva down to one, and Emmett three, because I'm predicting his prediction will be wrong. Uh, and so I think Emmett, Emmett gets bumped up to three. Oh, I think great. it goes, his prediction is way wrong. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> so Ben's in the lead with one, Emmett second place. With yeah. Three. Oh, seven. what a come from behind victory. What a yeah. way to end the podcast.